Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, hockey fans. This is Vegas Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm Mark Warner, along with Chris Lisa out on Long Island. We got a good show. We've got Chris Stores from the Teal Town Podcast in. He's going to help us go through the San Jose Sharks Vegas Golden Knights series. So we're going to spend a lot of time looking at that. Then we're going to go around the league, look at some of the some of the other playoff action that's going on. A lot of two-two uh, action. There's one series that's three-one. So we're going to get into all of that. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner, along with. Okay, wrong intro. No big deal. Chris, how you doing out there, sir? I'm doing well, my friend. Uh, beautiful day out here in New York, enjoying it, and I'm doing well. Hope everyone's yeah, enjoying we the just... playoffs. I know, I know people in Vegas are, but uh, so far so good. So far so good. I, I as I texted you before yesterday's game, you can vouch for me when I said no matter who wins tonight, meaning yesterday's game five, I said this series is going seven. So. Uh, yep, that's yep. kind of how I felt all, all the way. Uh, but uh, you called a seven gamer before, night. yeah? Yeah, yep. it, you it, called it's it. just been so even. You know, it's an even Steven series. I think the Knights have had overall better of the play. If you look at total minutes, I mean, the first game you throw out a little bit because it was just what it was. Uh, I mean, clearly the Knights were better, but um, I, I just. You know, when I was on, and we're going to have Chris on from the Teal Town Podcast, my prediction for the series was Vegas and game in seven in overtime as the magic carpet ride is not ready to end. And who knows? Maybe it won't end. But, um, yeah, it's been an exciting uh, series, to say the least. And even last night when you thought, like, okay, you know, we can put a bow on this, uh, uh, it got maybe a little too exciting for uh, Vegas Golden Knight fans. Certainly, certainly. And it is a series where we've seen just about everything. Um, we've had we've had a blowout by the Knights in Game 1. Pretty much, uh, you could say, blowout by the Sharks, 4 nothing in, in Game 4. We've had a, dub- uh, I mean, had a was, double over. That was close. That was closer than the score indicated. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't as... To... Martin Jones yeah, had a heck of a lot like, to yeah. do with it. He's played his best game of the yeah. playoffs so far, absolutely no credit. No doubt credit to Martin Jones. Uh, we've had the double overtime game. Uh, goaltender interferences called back or allowed and uh, a regular single overtime game. Um, both teams have won at home. Both teams have won on the road. So there's been, you know, I guess everything in this series except the players licking each other. Okay, we haven't got to that point yet, and, and hopefully we don't. Um, but but I digress a little bit. Um, whew, we'll save that for later in the show. We'll be talking about the Bruins Lightning series a little bit later on. But yeah, it's been a good series. Um, I tend to agree with you that that maybe the Knights have had 
a little bit better of the play, but but overall even, and I'm sure Sharks fan could make the case that they've had a little bit better of the play in other games, and that Flurry was the difference in those games. Uh, you know, stellar goaltending, except you know, game one they chased Martin Jones, and then again last night they chased Martin Jones, which seemed to inspire a little bit of of the play for the Sharkies there in the third period. Um, <coughs> excuse me as well as a James Neal ill-timed slashing penalty with whatever it was, 10 minutes left in a 4 nothing game. You put your team shorthanded. Uh, credit to James Neal after the game. They asked him, and he said, that's on me. Um, I have to own that. That's a bad penalty at a bad time, and I have to be better, and I can't be doing that. So, so credit to James Neal for owning that. Um, but it did breathe life into the Sharks, and they took full advantage, pulling within one goal. Um before a Marcia show inter- empty netter decides the contest. Um, so, yeah, a pretty even series overall, I would think. Um, I'm sure some, I'm sure some Knights fans could say last night should have finished it off. Um, there's people that think that the double overtime goal should have counted, and that would have given the Golden Knights the fourth win last night. So you could, you you know, yeah, some, some Knights mean, fans look, say, go I, ahead. Here's the thing, my my take on that, right or wrong, I think from the start of the playoffs and even towards the end of the regular season, uh, if the goalie is in the blue paint, as the great Eddie Olchek likes to say, and you touch him, unless you get pushed into him by him and clearly pushed, and not an exaggerated, like I, I, I blow on you and, and you go flying kind of thing, um, sure. yeah, that's going to be goalie interference. You know, uh, it's going to – it's really – now you could say, well, I don't like that. Okay, that's fine. But that's, I think, been pretty consistent. And there was there was some contact there. And there was, you know, on, but be that as it may, that's, you know, game two. The one thing that jumped out at me that was interesting after game four, and I don't think it got the, the play that it deserved. It probably did locally over by you, but... You know, because he didn't do it, Gallant didn't do it in the John Tortorello kind of style, which would have made national headlines. But, you know, when your coach after a playoff game says, uh, you, you know, it's one thing to say, well, you know, they were better than us tonight or, um, you know, we have to do a better job on this, on our execution. But when your coach says they were more competitive than us and that we didn't play hard enough to win, and even if he says it in a very mild manner way, um, those are some pretty big statements. And the night sure. certainly came out uh, uh, in the first two periods. And I, I don't think uh, uh, it was a coincidence that that was, uh, you know, those statements would have no place based on, you know, how they, you know, played, uh, uh, especially the first uh, 40, 40 minutes of that game. Yeah, I mean, no question about it. That's about as close um as reading the riot act to his players in public as Gerard Gallant's done all season um there was a game against the rangers early on in the first road trip the knights went on where Perron uh took two penalties late and and let the rangers back into the game and that to me was Gallant's harshest criticism of his team or any individual players. And he said, we're not an expansion team. We're not going to play like an expansion team. And those kinds of plays are unacceptable. Um, 
and I mean that's just that's you know I'm paraphrasing of course, but there's the gist of of what Gallant said then, and then you know to be called out by your coach and saying you're not competing and and that's the you know that's the hallmark that's the calling card of the Vegas Golden Knights is that they're going to outwork you they're going to compete harder than you they're going to battle every puck they're going to battle every pass they're going to get sticks in passing lanes sticks and shots block shots and they're going to work harder than you and they're going to win the game that's the that's i mean that's their mo that's their calling card and for your coach to call you out on on the identity of who you are as a team um no i agree well, with you that's that's, go, that's about as harsh a criticism as you're going to give I don't care if your team's in the NHL playoffs, if you have a peewee hockey team, or if you play in a deck hockey league in uh, in Las Vegas or in Long Island. If your coach or head guy says, you know, we didn't play hard enough to win, uh, they were much more competitive than us, uh, That those words should, uh, uh, you know, hit you in the solar plex. So, uh, but, you know, what's really jumped out to me, especially during this series against the Sharks, is, and the reason why the Knights are up 3-2 is what has, you know, what has carried the day for them uh, during the regular season. Their, their biggest strength is just they are such a deep team uh, and that, you know, each night it's a different guy. And each night, uh, you know, various people step up. And we've seen that that theme has continued throughout the playoffs. That's what it takes to win. I mean, here it is. I mean, we'll talk about Pittsburgh and Washington later, but it's not Malkin. It's not Cor- it's Gensel who's uh, who's uh, stepping up to the forefront for them to even up that series two two. And you know, the Knights, it's, it's it's the same thing. You know, you know, one night it's Carlson, one night it's Alex Tuck. Um, you know, one night it's Flurry carrying the team on his back. One night it's Braden McNabb getting a goal in a one nothing game. That's really the, the what I've seen as the reason why they're up 3-2. But uh, like I said, I, I'm, I I like my prediction right now of Knights and seven in overtime. Two. That's tough. Well, you would sign up for it. You, you might, you know, the blood pressure might be a little bit yeah, high. Yeah, I might need, a, you would definitely I might need an adult beverage. It. I might need an adult beverage at that point. Yeah, or two. Or two. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I said this yesterday at work. We were talking about the series, and uh, it was after game four, so a lot of, you know, there's a lot of new hockey fans, of course. Um, people kind of go out of their way to talk to me about it because a lot of the guys on the crew know that I've been a hockey fan for, for basically my whole life. And and there was a lot of nervous Nellies out there yesterday. Um, and I said, relax. If at the if training camp came around and someone put a card on the table that said two out of three at home to advance to the Western Conference Finals, how many of you and the Golden Knights and the coach and George McPhee and Bill Foley would have picked that card up, put it in the pocket, and taken it to the bank? And and that's where they were. So they you know game one at game you know game five, but game one of the two out of three at home uh, check mark. And we'll go to San Jose and see what happens there. So uh, hey, and, calm and down. The, thing is, the, the Sharks are a good team. I mean, they're you sure. know, pretty much just just as I mean, I can just as good as you, know, you want to say the Knights are a twinge better. Fine, uh, if you take that tack, but I, I they're just as good as the Knights in my opinion. I mean, um, 
they, they have a heck of a team. It's a little bit different structure. They have, you know, uh, a bona fide superstar in, in Brett Burns, but um, they're, they're deep on defense. They have an awesome goalie. Um, you know, their secondary guys have really stepped up, like Sorensen in, uh, in these playoffs, which is always the key to me, the, the Sharks, of the secondary scoring. So this is, you know, it, 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 you're not just going to roll through everybody. I mean, I know they – they beat the Kings, they swept the Kings and all that, and we went through that. But, you know, and each series should technically get more difficult So uh, as you climb the ladder. So uh, I, think it's, I think it's been a lot of fun. I think it's great for hockey. Uh, I'm rooting for, you know, with my team out of it, to be quite honest. Going, you know, at one point last night, it looked like we were going to have all four series tied at two um, yep. after four games. It wasn't the case. You know, at that point, it's like I love, you know, considering there was only, um, what was it? There was only one game seven in round one. I was like, I'd love to see four game sevens in round two. You know, right now, one uh-uh. does not look likely. So, but I would, I, I'm hoping the other three go seven. Um, we could foreshadow a little bit uh, where we're headed after we're, we're finished talking with Chris from the Teal Town podcast. Um, I'm I'm very impressed with Nashville able to bounce back. What what I I I almost stuck a fork in them after Game Three when they're up on the road three nothing after one. Hellbucks in all kinds of disarray. Let in at least two bad goals. The third one's questionable, but two of those goals you know you got to make that save. And cruising into the first intermission and then turn around and give up seven unanswered. Um, ouch. And I thought that was the Winnipeg stamp on the series right there. I thought that was it. And then full credit to Nashville, uh, game four, come back on the road and win a very tightly contested two-to-one hockey game. And even the series uh, take home ice advantage going back home. Um, Huge, huge game for Nashville to be able to bounce back from that. Um, Well, just real quick. The team they have, they, they should be able to do that. Yeah, Psyche yeah, is dog, a. Uh, I mean, yeah, Winnipeg's the the barking dog though. Winnipeg, yeah, they're no, the big yeah, dog. Yeah, hey, we'll the barking dog. <laughs> yeah, no, well, well, absolutely. Up in the air. Hey, hey uh, full credit to you. You liked Winnipeg at the start of the season in that division. Um, you've been you've been high on Winnipeg all year long, sir. So full, full marks to you. But yeah, just just from the the gut punch that that game three was. Very impressed with Nashville being able to jump back like that and and pick up pick up game four on the road. Absolutely. So, what do you think of the? Uh, I know, I know we're uh, kind of delving into the later portion of the show's topics while we're waiting for Chris to join us. Um, we can get the uh, was it the Carlson or Tom Wilson suspension? Do you want to touch on that for a minute? It was well earned. Let's put it that way. <laughs> With his reputation, he was lucky was he didn't get happen. four games. He was lucky he didn't get four games, meaning he would not see the series again if it went seven. So keep in mind, he'll be yeah. back for game seven. And to me, it's the next violation that he does. I don't care, you know, how it should be double of what it should be for someone else. Simply, simply because of. When you're a repeating offender like that, you should get there should be a consequence. 
and I think there is sort of the Rafi Torres rule. Um, do you think he gave right. him a little bit more than the uh, the the Dowdy suspension and the other one that we talked about that was real similar? I forget who that was. Um, Kucherov. Yes, yes, the hit on Kucherov. Who um, didn't get it? Who didn't get it? Um, do you think he got more than those two guys with one game suspension and not at all because of the injury sustained by the the player? Well, that's part of it. I mean, it shouldn't be in my mind. I mean, uh, but that I've was, always struggled know, with that. Left- I've always struggled with that. The intent was there, and the contact was made, whether the player skated away, um, right, or whether the he's got a broken nasty. jaw and a concussion. The hit was nasty, right. I always right. I always struggle with that to the point of if the hit's nasty, the result shouldn't matter. If you try and rob a store and get caught, you still tried to rob the store. You're still a burglar. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I, case, I always struggle. I, with, I'm, with, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that I always that struggle one. with it. Uh, so well, I, see I, I don't have a problem. Oh, great. Let me go ahead and bring in the host of the Teal Town podcast. You can follow their podcast at Teal Town USA. Chris Stores is on the line joining us on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Chris, good morning to you, sir. Good morning, good afternoon. Good to talk to you guys. All right, all right. Well, um, we've had a series here, and we were talking a little bit earlier where we've seen just about a little bit of everything and I'll use my little line of the day again, except players licking each other. That's the one thing we haven't seen in this series. Um, great goaltending both sides. Both teams have won on the road. Both teams have won at home. There was a shutout in game one. There was a shutout in game four. Um, there's been double overtime. There's been goals called back. There's been single overtime game winners. Um, wh- my first question uh has anything surprised you about what we've seen so far in the uh, in the Golden Knights Shark series? Um, I'll, I'll be honest. The thing that's probably surprised me the most, and uh, I, I shouldn't have been that surprised by it, is Flurry's play. He has been otherworldly. I mean, other than that, not a lot has surprised me because I thought this was going to be, you know, I didn't think it was everything but the kitchen sink, but I thought this was going to be a very crazy series. I thought it'd be a lot of back and forth roller coaster. Cause I mean, it's been win loss, win loss, win loss. Each team has taken their shots. Each team has had their great, their great moments. And each team has had some not so great moments and no one's looked at each other yet, but we still got two more games. Let, let's hope we don't get to that. sir. <laughs> My goodness. That has to stop. Um, I was just, just real quick on that. Um, there was people on on Twitter last night calling for uh, Tampa Bay to file suit against the Boston Bruins for allowing sexual harassment in the workplace. Um, I, I don't know if we get to that point, but uh, absolutely uh, unsportsmanlike conduct and and maybe a game misconduct if it happens again is is warranted in that situation. That's the same as spitting in someone's face, in my opinion, and I don't think there's any room for that. But uh, I digress. I digress. We'll get into that a little bit later on, or I guess we already have gone into it. Um, last night, the San Jose Sharks um, really, you know, through two periods, uh, Vegas was getting the best of play and maybe triggered by – chasing Martin Jones with the fourth goal or the ill-timed James Neal slashing penalty 
that uh, you, after the game he owned, he said he can't do that. It's on him. Um, the, the Sharks were able to mount their comeback, falling one goal short, uh, sans the empty netter. Um, what did you see in last night's game out of out of from the Sharks' perspective? The big thing I saw last night was they they weren't able to execute on the formula they found in game two, three, and four, which is force Vegas to play defense, force Vegas to play a 250-foot game. And when I say that, I mean chip the puck into the other end and make them zig and zag up the ice, control the neutral zone. Early on, they were not they, – their neutral zone presence wasn't there. Vegas was able to get speed going constantly. And that's when they're at their best, right, when they come in waves, when they can keep coming at you, coming at you. But in games two, three, and four, the Sharks made them play a good amount of defense. They had a few stretches where Vegas got there in, but they weren't able to get a lot of consistent pressure on the Sharks. And that's, I mean, that's really, that's the formula for the Sharks to win in the series is to be able to make, you know, make Vegas play slower, play more of the Sharks pace and not be able to just come at you all night long. And what, one thing I noticed last night, and I'm sure that, uh, that they'll address it, is that it almost seemed like the tables turned and that the Knights were the team um, with, the, with, the, with the neutral zone presence and keeping San Jose's attack from getting in on their forecheck. And what, one of the things, and I'm sure you know, that the Sharks are very effective at is bringing a trailer once the, uh, the cycle and, the, and the, the zone entry is established, if you will, and having the open man cut, um, it seemed like the Knights were able to slow that down enough for them to get out of their zone in a, in a timely fashion. And after after that James Neal penalty and the, the, when the Knights took, took the fourth goal, um, it seemed like that energized the Sharks to the point where they were able to turn the tables. And maybe the Knights uh, relaxed a little bit. Maybe they were sitting back, got a little comfortable. But I, I see that as, as what to watch in in game six going to San Jose, uh, where obviously the matchups will be more favorable as they were in games um, three and four for the San Jose Sharks to establish that neutral zone presence. Um, good stuff, because I was noticing the same thing as I was watching the game last night, too. Let me bring in Chris out on Long Island. I know you, I know you did a little... A bit on the Teal Town podcast there at Teal Town USA for Sharks fans listening today. Um, Chris, go ahead and jump on in, sir. Hey, Chris, glad to talk to you again. So we've had some sightings of Joe Thornton. We've seen him in in warmups. We've seen him at practices. Uh, you know, now you know the Sharks uh, can still win this series. Very much up in the air, but. They're facing uh, elimination going into tomorrow. And if they win tomorrow, they'll face elimination again in game seven. So if he's really close or really able to contribute, I would think the time would be now that he gets back in the lineup. Oh, what are you hearing about Joe Thornton? Um, based on you – know, I hear a little bit about it, not really a lot of meaningful stuff. But my my general opinion is I don't think we're going to see him – at all this postseason, uh, wow. I, I jokingly say I'm our podcast's resident expert on knee injuries because I've gone under the knife quite a few times for knee, and I know just what a incredible thing it is to come back from. You know, and I, I'm not a pro athlete, I know, but I, I have a pretty good idea about it, and I, I don't see him coming back. And also, I don't think he's necessarily the answer in this series. Maybe in a different series, 
But to me, Thornton is definitely on the slower side at this point in his career, and I don't know if he would be particularly effective against the way the Knights play against the type of with the type of game the Sharks need to play. I, I mean, if he comes back in, I would I would love to see him again because I'm a huge Joe Thornton fan. But I don't think right now he's necessarily going to be ready, or he's going to be the answer. Now, what? Give me a th- give me an item or two that has to change that you've seen so far in this series for the Sharks to win, to be able to pull off this series. So the Sharks are going to win this series, win game six and seven. It's going to be because because of Y of X and Y that they've uh, turned around in these last two games. Um, I think really it's not – so much a change as it's it's getting back to the say the template from game you know from games two through four the, like I said that's exactly how the sharks need to play to beat them need to you know control the neutral zone maintain control uh, beating Flurry is going to be the real wild card there because like I mean Jones has been great Flurry has been otherworldly and been I mean he's he's just robbed guys straight up like just straight up theft time for it's like oh yeah he's dead to rights i you know the amount of times i've jumped up to celebrate i'm like wait how did how did that not go in so i think it's really being able to find a way to get goals past flurry not ceding control in the neutral zone you know keep keep that under control for 45 50 minutes plus a game and i think that's really that is how the sharks can win this series and before i uh, hand you back over to, to mark there uh i'm not going to put you on the spot in terms of do you think the Sharks will win this series? But give me your probab uh, your probability that we're definitely going to see a game seven. I would say the probability is very high. Uh, I mean, in part based off of just the pattern that we've seen in this thing so far. It's a lot of back and forth because you know no no team has won two in a row in this series so far. San Jose will be back in San Jose where you know they have last change. They have the ability to dictate the matchups a little bit better. I haven't seen a lot of matchup dictation in the series so far, but the farther it goes down, the more likely a figure that is because coaches have a better idea of who they want to be able to face off against who. So I, I like their chances of winning in San Jose, uh, you know, familiar place. Uh, so I, I would say pretty high probability goes game seven and in game seven, honestly, anything can happen at that point. It's, you know, all bets are off. We don't, we don't know what happens. Nope, not, that's for sure. Um, you, you're mentioning Flurry in the times uh, the the one save that probably saved the series if the Knights do go on to win. Obviously, was the save on Couture in overtime of Game Three, um, Game Three, Game Four, Game Three, um, yeah, where the Knights, too, yeah. yeah, where where the Knights were able to go on and win that game. Um, and then last night again, where he was swimming in the crease, somehow found the puck under his glove after uh, Derek England slowed it down on the way into the net. Make no question about it, but that was going in. And then was able to put his leg or his glove under his leg as he was swimming on his back and keep that puck from going in the net. Um, those are two of the best saves. I mean, we could go back to Dominic Hoshik, um and the acrobatic saves that that guy made um, to what Fleury's been doing. He's been doing it you know, against the Kings for four games as well, although they – Nowhere near the offensive threats generated, um, except maybe in in the first two periods of Game Four of that series, where the, you know the Kings had the run of play for a little bit. But 
he's been doing it since the start of the playoffs at a higher level and he'd been at a high level throughout most of the season. Um, so that's Flurry's continued acrobatics, if you will. That's going to be my key to the series. Um, and if Martin Jones can be a little bit more consistent for the Sharks, we've seen him chased from two games and we've seen him throw goose egg at the Knights. So maybe not, I mean, game game four, he made some acrobatic saves himself. The Knights did have a few few times in game four where they were able to put some pressure on and test Martin Jones, and he was up to the challenge. But, I, I, you know, being a, being a former Kings product, I'd like to see a little bit more consistency from Martin Jones as a key to the series going forward these last two games um, for the Sharks to – you know, if they if they were to prevail in Game Seven, I think I, my, for my key to the series, uh, Chris Letha would be more more consistent play out of of Martin Jones because I think the Sharks' forward core has been fantastic. I think their defensive core has been very good. Um, and then I'll say another key for both teams: um, stay out of the penalty box. Goodness gracious, um, I, I don't recall another playoff series where you're this deep into the series and you're still taking 40 minutes of penalties. Um, the, the, you know, San Jose had 20 penalty minutes and the, the Knights had 18 penalty minutes last night that both sides have to clean that up going forward. Um, would you agree, Chris? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, special teams battle me is one that's, yeah, the special teams battle is one the Sharks can win for sure. But, yeah, I think staying out of the box for both teams is important because I think, you know, even if the Sharks can win that battle overall, the attrition that adds up and the potential goals you give up. I mean, they've given up a good number of power play goals. They, their penalty kill hasn't always been on point this series. No, at a, at a – I think it's about 8 or 10%. Um, below where their regular season best in the league regular season penalty kill was, um, and the the one thing that the Knights can take advantage of, I think they've been able to move the puck really well on, when they are on the power play. Um, still have to, still have to beat Martin Jones, but I, I think I think both teams have the ability to win the the special teams play with the edge to the, it's weird, a edge to the, the Knights so far. <coughs> Excuse me. So far, the Knights have actually been very good against a very good San Jose Sharks power play. Um, and San Jose picks it up a little bit on their end penalty kill back to what we expect to see from a, a good San Jose Sharks penalty kill unit. Um, I think that would behoove the Sharks as well. Chris, do you have anything more for the Teal Town podcast host before we let him go for the afternoon? Um, no, I'm, 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 I just want to thank Chris for coming on. Chris, tell everyone uh, where they can find both you, the Teal Town podcast, and when your next show is and uh, you have anything uh, special planned for that. So you can find us on Twitter at TealTownUSA. You can also find us at TealTownUSA.com. 
we do quite a few podcasts. So we have a weekly podcast. We do one-off interviews here and there. We just had Drew Amenda on, former Sharks broadcaster. We also have our post-game every game. So three years straight now, we've done 82 games. So we we are a very busy crew over there. There's about uh, nine or ten other people to help me out with that. So it's it's a it's it's an adventure for sure. Um, yeah, you can check any of those out. We're on YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, all those things. Just look for Teal Town USA. All right. Well, congratulations on that. It sounds like you guys got a nice crew together, and you guys keep pretty busy. Um, well, th- thank you, sir, for for jumping in the box today, and uh, I'm glad that. Uh, Everything was civil between the Knights and Sharks in this conversation. Uh, maybe not so if you follow some of the Twitter feeds that I'm watching on on Twitter during the games, but it was really good to talk to you, and we appreciate you coming in today, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, guys. It's going seven, Chris. Mark my word. <laughs> All right. Well, that was Chris Storrs, host of the Teal Town USA podcast, with some good insight into the series from the San Jose Sharks perspective. Um, Chris is all fired up to see Game Sevens everywhere there is hockey. Um, so let's uh, let's get into some of the other series here real quick before we run out of time. Where do you want to jump off to, Chris? Uh, what we do? We started talking about Nashville, Winnipeg. I, I mean, the other night when I was watching Game Three, I missed the most of the first period. When I turned it on, I was you know kind of surprised to see. It was three nothing Nashville, and then I was right. probably twice surprised to see what happened at the beginning of the second period. Uh, you know, Winnipeg. I I just felt like in that first period, I, was, I, I even though I didn't see much, but I'm like, well, you know, they're a young team, first game at home in this series, but then they just they they uh, they just pulled up by themselves by the bootstraps and just put together a, a furious effort. You know, you get a 2-1 game in game four going the other way. But, look, I, I was not thrilled with how Nashville played the first round of that series. It shouldn't have taken till game six to play their A game. And, again, once again, nothing against the Colorado goaltending, but they were facing their backup for two-thirds of the series. And the last two games they faced uh, the Hamburger, who's wholly played in the NHL the last two years. Um, I felt before the series that Nashville would get through it in seven, and the only reason I still feel that way was the reason I picked them, and that was because at the end of the day, I think that their experience throughout the lineup, not that Winnipeg doesn't have experienced players like a Bufflin or you know a couple of, a couple of their other players, Nashville's experience would just get them through a very tight series and get them on the winning side of a, a one-goal game in Game 7. But that series is pretty much – it's very much up for grabs. If I was a Predators fan, I would not I would not feel comfortable in terms of uh, winning that series. No way. And they had to go to that experience, well, as we talked about a little earlier, to bounce back and win that game four after the gut punch that had to be Game 3. So um, that's that's good call on your part that – um, maybe just the, the the playoff tested in the long run that Nashville went on last year into the Cup Finals, um, able able to regroup one game one game at a time. We let that one get away. We'll come back in the next one, play our best hockey, and they were able to do that. Now they're going home uh, 
two out of three at home to win the series. Um, don't sleep on Winnipeg. I'm saying that's a seven-game series, too. Absolutely. And then we go to Pittsburgh and Washington. Real quick, Chris, real quick, before yeah. we move on from the series. Um, let's say let's say we're right and Nashville Nashville prevails, or even or even Winnipeg. Can either the Vegas Golden Knights or San Jose Sharks match up with Nashville? Oh, sure. Or, or Winnipeg. How do you see how do you see that as kind of a Western Conference preview? Yeah, I, I, I think good. both those teams are they they're deep and they have speed and they both have really good goaltending. Um, you know, one a little bit more experienced than the other, but oh yeah, I don't want to spend too much time on it because let's see how it plays out, but. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I think that would be a very, uh, very competitive, very even series to say the least. Obviously, if Nashville were to get through, they were, you know, the big favorite to get to the finals of the Stanley Cup out west. So uh, I, I think that would be most people's choice uh, in that series. But uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Yep. So going out east. Let's uh let's tackle the other series real quick that's two to two. Um Washington and Pittsburgh. Washington was able to jump up to a two one lead in the series during the week. <clears throat> and then Pittsburgh, as they will, um come back and tied and now we're now we're two two there. Um how do you see this series? Are are we are we meet the new boss same as the old boss and and well, Pittsburgh I, until proven otherwise? Yeah, I think the key question is, you know, it's a very obviously it's another very close series, and it's going to come down to somebody making a key play, um, be, be it scoring a goal or uh, making a key play to stop a goal, and can you know we have to see Washington in this spot be able to do it, which we haven't the last few years ever, and all we've seen is Pittsburgh do it. The last two years. Always. So, can, yep. Washington, can Washington win this series? Of course they can. But, uh, you know, now is the time to be step step up and be counted for. Um, you know, it wasn't like they gave away game four. It was a very tight game. Um, but there, this is, uh, is going to be interesting to see. I mean, I think gun to your head is a flip, uh, coin flip of a, a series, but it's hard not to take – to think that Pittsburgh's not going to find a way to win. Yeah, it's I, there's, I have a Penguins fan at work, and uh, after after the Capitals were up two to one, I I just looked at him. I said, "You worried?" He looked at me, said, "Nope." I said, "Okay," and that was that was as yeah. far as we got into it. <laughs> I mean, he's seen the he's seen this exact thing before. Um, I think the Capitals at one point had three one series leads. Uh, in the playoffs the last two, three years and, and found a way not to win those series. So um, I, I don't want to say the window is closing for that core group, but we need to see some results out of Washington. And I mean, postseason results um, before changes have to be made. Um, well, I can tell you that's, really that's, this, uh, they, they lose this series, Washington, Braden Hopi will be somewhere else next year. And I'm not saying that's really fair to him per se, and not that he's played badly, but I don't know if anyone saw it yesterday in the little news and notes. 
the Capitals signed to an entry-level contract their uh, top prospect and the top goalie prospect in the sport, Ilya Samsonov. And with already having the young group hour there and still being under a huge cap crunch, no pun intended, and having to sign um, um, John Carlson, who's a free agent, and that's going to cost a huge number, um, if they if they can't get past Pittsburgh, and this, they're, they're going to be like this, you know, we have two more years for Braden Holby at a cap hit of $6.1 million, uh, and we have these two young goalies, so they'll move him for the best deal that they can get. Which should be a good deal because uh, Braden Holby's a, a uh, fine goalie. I'm going to tell you, see, most, I'm going to tell you why it's, it, 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 it's, it's not going to be, at the end of the day, the kind of deal one would think. First off, I think he's 28 going on 29 years of age. I thought that's old. Okay, he's only signed for two more years. All right, that's number one. Got a pretty healthy cap hit, six point one million. He did not really have a great year this year. I mean, that is why they started the playoffs with Grubauer. If you look at his save percentage and goals against this year, playing for a pretty darn good team, they were very pedestrian. Um, and then the other part of it too is, you know, one might. There's two ways of looking at it when someone is trying to either A, trade for a goalie. Everyone focuses on teams trying to trade for a goalie. Like, well, it's hard because there's not a lot of goalies available. But the other part of that uh, part of that equation is there aren't a lot of teams looking for a goalie. So it's not like if you put Braden Holtby out there on the trade marketplace, trading marketplace, you might only have like three teams interested because – you know, for instance, the Vegas Golden Knights aren't going to be interested. They they, they have who they have. Same thing, I can go through the whole list. So you might only have th- about three teams interested. And and then, you know, I don't know where they are from a cap standpoint, but let's, let's say that's not a problem. And they might say, look, this is our best offer. And then you're in a place of, well, if we don't take, you know, if we don't take one of these three best offers, which we think is whatever, 70 cents of the dollar, but then he's going to be on our team, and we're going to have that cap number, and yeah, and we want to move on to these young guys. So don't be surprised if I'm not saying they're going to get a you know a bag of pucks for him, but then uh, they're not going to get. I'd be surprised they're not going to get a treasure trove for him. How would he fit in Buffalo? You know that's one of the teams, but to be honest with you, it's not. From a Buffalo perspective, you know, why are you going to give up future assets when you're a couple of years away from realistically being a playoff team? Um, uh, and at that point, he's going to be 31. Not that that's an old man, but it isn't really it isn't really a great fit. In my, unless you're Buffalo and Washington comes calling and says, I'll tell you what, give me uh, two third-round picks and the secondary prospect kind of thing. Uh, then you may like, all right, you know, I, I can give up some secondary pieces for him. But that's probably, you know, Washington probably wants more than that. What what Washington wants, the, the best way to maximize a deal for Holby would be a team that feels like they're, that didn't make the playoffs, that are close, that, uh, that it would have changed or two, then are a goalie away to not just making the playoffs, but taking a big step in the playoffs. And that's a very short list. You could make the case that with Holby, 
um, they, the Sabres would have been a lot closer to the playoffs this year. And if they add Darlene, um, there's your franchise defenseman. You already have your franchise centerman and some nice pieces on the on the edges. If they enter free agency and maybe um, pick up another defenseman and let's say a 20, 30 goal scorer, that's a playoff team in my opinion. Yeah, they, they, they look. They, would there be interest? I'm sure there'd be interest, but like I said, they're not going to be. They're not going to trade any of their top prospects, which it's not like they have a treasure trove of them. Nor are they going to trade any of their. Um, you know, obviously they're not trading the first overall pick, but even future high picks. So it's kind of a weird, you know, it, it, they kind of need a stopgap stop guy in Buffalo. Or if Braden Holpe, you know, be quite honest, if, if we'll be, you know, they'd probably be willing to talk, really talk turkey, if uh, Phil Grubauer was offered versus Braden Holpe. That would be much better yeah. for Buffalo. He's but still growing for a couple Buffalo, years. Yeah, but I, I think Washington, if they're going to be looking to move a goalie, it's going to be Holby. Yeah. Interesting. I I think I think uh, you say that if they don't win this series, he might be on the market. Um, I'm going to say he's probably going to be on the market because I, I need to be shown with this Capitals team. You can't tell me they're going to beat Pittsburgh. you got to show no. me. Just to wrap this up, don't forget, Kayla Hall was traded for Adam Larson. You know what I mean? So sometimes people yes. people think like sometimes people well, mistakes think, are made. Like, oh, what's that? Mistakes are. I said mistakes are made. Oh, all oh, the time. oh. No, no. I, I'm just saying though. Sometimes you know the trade market doesn't you know doesn't always pan out the way people expect it to. There's different dynamics involved. There's a lot. It's not just you know. Yeah, there's trade for talent, but there's the age of the players. There's how many more years are they signed for? Uh, salary cap. Uh, you know, when do they become an RFA? When they become a UFA? There's a, you know what's okay. their you know where's their health status? What kind of year do they have last year? There's a lot of things in play. It's not just uh, you know we're not playing uh, fantasy hockey here. Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson. Well, that's that's like the that's like one where that's a hockey fit, trade, fit. my friend. Yeah, that's, yep, a, hockey that's trade. a hockey trade. I love it. Let's move on. We'll take a look at the last series real quick. Bruins Lightning. Can the Bruins force a game? What are we looking at here? Game six. Game six by winning. I'm gonna say by winning tomorrow. I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say I no. I agree. Tampa. Uh, Tampa's been clearly the better team. Uh, in this series, each game they've been the clearly the better team more. Um, yep. Yeah, I you know, you know Boston got that first game, and I'm not making excuses here, but Tampa hadn't played in a week, and I think it showed. And since then, they've gotten better each game. And uh, you know, when Boston took that lead uh, late, you felt like a uh, lead with with about you know 12 minutes to go. Like, all right, maybe we'll get to two, but you know, clearly Tampa, uh, Tampa and, and the the amount of golden opportunities they have was incredible. So I'm going to say no. I'm going to say that's the series that that's a short series. Yeah, I agree with you. I think like uh, pretty much similar to the uh, Golden Knights Sharks first game where both one team had been off eight games, one team had been off nine games. Um, obviously, the Knights responded well to that and the Sharks didn't, but that wasn't indicative of the rest of the series. So, uh, same thing in this series. And the the longer they go, 
the Tampa Bay, I agree with you 100%. They're they're getting stronger and stronger and and you got to figure that yesterday was was mm, got to be a gut punch to lose that one at home, go down 3-1. Now you need three straight wins with two in Tampa, Emily Arena, and you know, you were you know, just a couple minutes in the third period six minutes or so from finishing it off and even in the series now you lose it in overtime um now boston has the experience factor so does tampa bay though going to the going to the cup finals and the western conference finals two out of three years um and i'll give you one good point about that you you, what's funny is even though we got a big they got big goals last night they've done a good job of not of for lack of a better word, containing Stamkos and Kucherov. Uh, right, I agree. And you know the the other guys, the secondary core uh, that's uh, that's murdered them. You know the Point, the Palats, Tyler Johnson. It's those guys that are that are they're eating them alive. Boston's getting all their scoring from their top line, and that's just you know it's just not gonna yep. it's not gonna add up. Not a playoff recipe for success, that's for sure. No. Um, Stamkos no. only three goals, only three goals in the playoffs so far. Through uh, what have they been in now? Yeah, about ten games, ten games or so. Six assists, three goals yeah. for Stamkos. Kucherov six goals. So Stamkos, and I, I, I don't want to, don't take this the wrong way, but Stamkos kind of has a history of starting slow in these playoffs, and. The you know a couple of years back when the triplets uh, broke onto the scene, if you will, um, it was a good thing they did because Stamkos was also having a, a, a subpar uh, playoff run at that point in, in that in that cup run. So um, maybe last night's goal gets him off the schneid a little bit. Gets maybe he gets another one or two at home. And it, it, I, I had the the Bruins in one of my brackets winning the whole thing. I thought they, out of all the contenders, I thought Boston may have finished the season as strong as anyone. Um, maybe Nashville, um, coming down the stretch, played better. But, I mean, think back six weeks. Um, there was, what, three games left against Boston in the last 10 days of the season? And they won, I think, two out of three of those in pretty pretty deciding factor. Um so I'm not I'm not sure if that put a burr under Tampa's saddle or not, but um, kind of surprising that the Bruins, if they go down four to one, and in this series, that's not at all what I expected. Yeah. I'll tell you that. And then last maybe but not the, least, uh, maybe it's the it was good news. Good news last week for, I mean, I guess the best news you kind of can get when you don't make the playoffs, and that was for Buffalo, Carolina, and Montreal in terms of getting the three ping-pong balls, so, you know, Buffalo having the worst record, unusually winning the lottery, doesn't happen, it seems. Uh, Carolina... Yeah, didn't happen this, this year. Connor yeah. McDavid when Buffalo yeah, had Carolina, the this, worst record that year. That's right. Uh, and Carolina's, uh, you know, was this year's team of really... Last year was the Flyers who went from 13... Uh, I think it was 12 or 13 to 2. This year, it was Carolina going from 11 to 2. And then Montreal sneaking up a few, a couple of spots, and uh, they're desperate, as we all know, for a potential future first-line center. So 
they should be one on the board for them there at the three spot. So uh, interesting. And it's going to be interesting times for Carolina because they officially let Ron Francis go. Bill Peters is right now in Calgary. So there's going to be a new hierarchy in charge. This is the new ownership. Um, they do have a lot of good young talent. They're going to have the number two pick. They have one of the top prospects in all of hockey who was, who was, uh, who was, who is Martinikas, who was the 12th overall pick last year. Uh, so they got, and they got some more pieces coming uh, as, as, as well. So well, we're going to have to see how all that plays out in Carolina. Yeah, they do have some up and coming young talent and, and, um, interesting to see when we do our, our, our draft preview special, um, which one of the guys is going to end up drawing Carolina's straw and who they think is going to be a good fit from the draft in that. Um, we'll be doing our research looking forward to that episode as well. <coughs> Excuse me. A little bit of the allergies out here today. Um, so, yeah, interesting for that. Good for Buffalo, though. I, and, and like I was saying, they had the worst record when Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel came out. And, and you know, how many number one overall picks do we need to throw at the Edmonton Oilers before we just wring our hands and walk away from that? But, yeah, they, they, they got Jack Eichel, who's a good player. Maybe he'll mature a little bit into a, a more consistent player, but uh, definitely no Connor McDavid. So I'm glad for Buffalo Sabres Nation, whose fans – always support that team and that's been some bad hockey there since about 2007 2008 um they won the president's trophy i believe back around 2007 or so and not really much since then so maybe this maybe they get dolan and and uh franchise defenseman you know jack eichel that they got a lot of work to do there. So this is a good piece for Buffalo and, and good for Buffalo Sabres Nation. Um, they need something for their fans to get excited about, and, and hopefully this will help along those lines. Yep. So we'll have to work on to see how things progress during the week for our next week's guest. Um, it would be great to see the Knights obviously win this series. It would be tremendous if we can get somebody on who they play, if it's either Winnipeg or Nashville. That would be the uh, – uh, that would That's be the ticket. Uh, ideal. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, that would be ideal. We'll have to see how it goes. We'll have to see how it goes. A lot, lot of hockey left yep. to go. A lot of hockey. Um, yep. Well, I will say this. On our on our preview show there, I picked Knights and Six. So okay. it's still. You, you're I, you're I saying seven. seven. You're saying seven. So, uh both both our predictions are still alive. We'll have to we'll have to see how Game Six goes. I think either team um, can win in either team's barn, so um, should be a oh, raucous yeah. tilt tomorrow night. Early game, early start for uh, Vegas Golden Knights fans tomorrow, four thirty uh, Sunday afternoon in San Jose. Um, yeah, Lightning Bruins go first, then 4.30 will be Sharks Nights. Okay, well, that's going to wrap it up for this week, sir. Make sure uh, uh, Apple Podcasts, Blog Talk Radio, uh, go over to Russ Cohen's Sportsology page. Uh, check us out there and all the other good content that Russ has. Um, GrandstandSportsNet.com, I believe it is. Is that right, Chris? GrandstandSportsNet.com? Yes. Okay, check check that site. We're over there as well. 
um, Pocket Writers, and then obviously SoundCloud, iTunes, all the other places you can capture your podcasts at. Hit subscribe button, leave us a little feedback. Uh, New York Islanders fan, as always, go over to on Ion Isles and check out Chris's content over there. He's one of the best Islanders writers that they have, and I'm not being biased. It's just the way things are. Um, always an insightful look at, at things that that the Islanders could do, might do, should do, and, and state of the franchise content there from Chris. I, I always enjoy reading your stuff, buddy. Uh, thank you, buddy. And who knows? Maybe uh, we're going to have a big announcement soon with Lou Lamorello joining the franchise. That would be nice. That's the first thing I thought of when uh, I heard that Lamorello got let go. I'm like, well, Chris would like a new general manager. <laughs> well, you know, you you know where uh, what his son does, right? Yeah, he's with the organization, is he not? Yeah, he's he's the assistant general manager. Yeah, Chris Lamoureux. Yeah, and it's not just because uh, his name is Chris Lamoureux. He actually is uh, uh, a guy who uh, is, you know put in his dues and is really well well thought of around the league. So uh, could be a nice. It could be. I'm just saying. And I know that uh, the new ownership group has been pining to get a Lou Lamoureux type in this organization. I don't know what the, how it would work. I don't know what the dynamics would be, if it's the president or whatever, kind of like what Toronto does, but uh, I'm sure they're going to make a big forward. And these rumors have been circling, not just by Islander fans, but, but by people like Elliot Freeman and the like. And, um, you know, no one's, uh, no one's shot them down. You know, no one from the Islanders or no one from Mr. Lamoureux. So we'll have to see. Well, with his kid being there and possibly the heir apparent, um, would Lou go in there and take his kid's job? <laughs> That's an interesting dynamic. Oh, or, set, have, right? or set up, you know, or, you know, who knows, set up this kid. Uh, there's a lot of things you can do with titles. I mean, like, for instance, right. when he was in Toronto, you know, it was basically a three-man team between Brendan Shanahan being the president, Lou Lamoureux being the GM, and uh, having a coach like a like a Mike Babcock, so basically it was even you know, even though Lou was the GM, it was kind of a three man committee committee, if you will. Three headed dragons. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of different ways you can you can make that work, and uh, so yeah, I I I, I can uh, definitely you know if nothing else. You know, maybe he'd be an overseer kind of thing. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to to do that. I don't think he's done with hockey. He's a North. He's been a Northeast guy his whole life, so that you throw that into the mix. So, yeah, we'll we'll have to keep an eye on after that. That'll be that'll be a good uh, that'll be a good thing to keep our eye on for. Well, that's going to do it for this week. We're going to work on uh, putting together next week's show. Stay tuned to at Vegas Hockey Pod throughout the week to uh, find out who who and where the Knights will be going next. And that'll do it for Chris on Mark, and we're gone.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.